Today on Ag News Daily. You know, our mini ductor Venom HP is our highest powered mini ductor, and it goes up to 1800 watts of power. I think we're trying to, you know, succeed that and, and go further than that. So that's where I kind of see it going is more power. You know, how can I get things done faster? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Tanner Winterhoff. Tanner, how you doing today? You got anything new to share with us? I don't think I've got anything new. Went out and played a couple holes of golf with my daughters last night and uh, watched my eight-year-old outdrive my wife once. But oh. other than that, um, no, things things are good here. Suns are shining. We're ready to rock and roll on this Tech Tuesday. I am digging that. I love hearing that you're creating a future little golfer. Absolutely. I got to have somebody else out there to teach me what I'm doing wrong. She can, <laughs> she can learn the right way and tell me how I've learned the wrong way. Well, also, if you start golf at a young age, that's a skill you're going to use for the rest of your life. So it's a good one to know in business and all that. So I think that's awesome. I would be curious how many of our listeners play golf. So if you guys have a favorite golf course, why don't you send us a message? Connect with us on our social media platforms and let us know where we should be playing as well. Yes, I would love that because I always, when I'm traveling in the summer, I'm always like, oh, I wonder if there's a good course close to here I could just pop into. But Tanner, nonetheless, I suppose we better hop into some news for today. And I'm going to kick things off here with the USDA's weekly crop progress report, which was posted yesterday afternoon. U.S. corn conditions held fairly steady while soybean conditions fell just one percentage point, thanks to quite a bit of rain that we saw this past week in the Corn Belt. However, we are going to see hotter and drier weather across the western, central, and northern U.S. this week, which could cause some stress on the crop and reflected in next week's crop progress report. But we're at about 64% of the corn crop rated good to excellent. And on the soybean side of things, just one percentage point lower here at 62% good to excellent condition. So still fairly favorable for this time of year. Yeah, and then the interesting things to note is, you know, the planting delays are still showing up because as far as crop development goes, only 15% of the corn was silking as of Sunday, July 10th. That is Mm -hmm. nine percentage points behind last year and 10 percentage points behind average. The crop development for soybeans are 32% of them were blooming. That is 6% behind the five-year average. So we will continue to monitor that to see what that ends up doing for us this fall. But I got some good news coming out of Ukraine, Delaney. The first Ukraine-liberated Snake Island is now shipping grain to nearby ports. So grain ships have begun sailing to Ukraine ports at on the Danube River near Romania. The safe passage of eight cargo vessels from the Black Sea to the river ports of Rini and Ismail along that Danube Black Sea, Black sea Canal uh, is really important now to developing the ex- little bit of export opportunities for Ukraine's economy. So the ships should soon sail back along the same route out of Ukraine, then out to the Black Sea via Turkey's Bosphorus Strait. So even though this is only a partial recovery of sea exports, 
we will see what grain purchasers and grain traders have to say about this new news. So uh, potentially could get thousands of tons of cargo finally out of Ukraine. Well, Tanner, I'm going to take things over here to an uh, not super ag related news other than it's related to your food. But do you ever use the term or feel like you're getting hangry? Oh, yes, that's a that is a common term, a weekly term in my household, because I am (laughs) I am definitely susceptible to getting hangry. Yes, and so am I. And I think most people are because we've seen a new study that says there is an actual physical link between hunger and anger. This study was done by the university in the UK, Anglia Ruskin, and they looked at people's hunger levels and also emotional well-being and found that there is a direct link between being hungry and being angry. So it's not just a pop culture term that we use to describe when we're feeling testy. It is actually a scientific thing that uh, they're suggesting has some merit behind it. Well, I think I'm going to need you to email that article to my wife. So now <laughs> it's no longer an excuse. It's just fact. But That's hopefully, true. hopefully the people of India will not be hangry, but it will be a continued challenge for India to feed its growing population. So as of the latest United Nations data, India is now expected to surpass China to become the world's most populous nation in 2023. So this is four years ahead of the earlier estimate by the United Nations. The United Nations is projecting the global population to hit 8 billion on November 15th and grow to 8.5 billion by 2030. More than half the projected rise between now and 2050 is expected in eight countries, the Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, India, Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines, and Tanzania. So not in the United States, Delaney, but the report titled World Population Prospects 2022 says China is expected to experience an absolute decline in its population as early as next year. The Chinese officials heard earlier about this estimate and stated that they may peak as early as 2022 as its population of 1.41 billion grew at the slowest pace since the 1950s. So maybe we're going to have to look at developing larger and maybe even new trade relationships for the crops that our listeners grow. That certainly sounds like that might be the case, Tanner, but doesn't matter if we grow the crop if we can't get it exported. Uh, a quick update here on the labor contract negotiations that I reported on, I believe, about two weeks ago now. You know, in the western portion of the United States, where quite a few crops are exported, as well as other commodities and goods, there's been an ongoing strike because of a labor contract that was set to expire July 1st. Well, U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh said that he's remaining optimistic about contract negotiations between workers and shipping companies for some of the country's most important ports, but talks have been extended past a previous deadline. So uh, I don't think that they are in an official strike uh, yet. However, if negotiations don't continue between the two sides, that's when things could get ugly here, Tanner. So we're still seeing continued negotiation, continued discussions. 
definitely a reduction in uh, some workers, but overall, they have not gone on full strike yet, which is the good news here. Right. It seems like there's no turning back once we get to a full on strike position in negotiating. So hopefully we can get things resolved. And the crazy thing is that when you think about that, you know, it's goods going out, but also goods coming in. So it could impact just normal everyday goods, like the things you order on Amazon Prime or any sort of uh, overseas shipments that you might make from a warehouse in China. All of those goods would obviously have the impact to be um, slowed down because of these potential port strikes. So we would definitely feel the effects of that one. Yep, absolutely. Well, Delaney, I have three stories remaining, but they all are around the same topic. So I'm going to go one right after the other here. Scorching temperatures. We're going to talk heat related issues in all three of these stories. These scorching temperatures are melting the tarmac at the military air force base in the United Kingdom. So the UK military base has halted flights. The tar has gotten stuck to officials' boots, aircraft wheels, and this is the first time in the history of the airport. Temperatures are hitting highs of over 32 degrees Celsius, which Delaney doesn't sound like a lot because if I do my high school conversion of three to one, that's only about 100 degrees. Uh, But in the UK, that is much hotter than normal, especially if they're using asphalt as part of their tarmac. But when you come back stateside, We plan to get a deeper conversation on this topic, but wanted to bring it to the attention of our listeners already. But North Texas ranchers are selling off cattle by the thousands because their grass and water has disappeared during this expanded summer drought. So uh, we will hopefully get with a conversation this week uh, with someone down there locally to report on how things are looking. But it says trucks were stacked up miles in each direction, eventually unloading the highest number they've ever seen going back to 2011 for auction numbers. And the last piece that I have, Delaney here, real high level, is the Colorado River Basin states are now told that they have to begin to act on conserving water. So the Senate Committee on Energy and National Resources held its hearing on June 14th. We reported on that, but the farmers in the area are now being asked to conserve two to four million acre feet of water before 2023 that is to maintain those cuts for the next few years after that all in an effort to protect lake meads and lake powell's reservoirs reservoirs the u.s reclamation commissioner camille Towton testified in that hearing to the senate last month so officially getting federal officials telling to take unilateral action in order to conserve the water, especially if you're in the states that come off the Colorado River, which would be Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Wyoming, Nevada, huh, Nevada, California, and Arizona. Well, that certainly is a lot of areas impacted by that, Tanner, and impacted yes, by the weather we're having this year. Well, Tanner, I know you reported on Sri Lanka being out of fuel, which has caused a lot of chaos and rioting in the country of Sri Lanka. But we have some fresh news, and that is that India has made the claim or made the stake that they're going to be going organic, of all things. 
This does come as a little bit of a surprise to uh, Sri Lankan farmers because for the longest time they were able to use uh, GMO products, etc. But now the government has made the pledge to go organic. And this has put a ban on chemical fertilizers. Uh, we saw that happen back in March, but this now also puts a ban on any sort of extra seed technology. And it just sounds like there is mass chaos going on there right now in this country, Tanner, because of what you reported on with the fuel shortages, economic riots, people are fleeing the country, and now farmers are figuring out how are they going to feed their population with this new technology and tools being taken out of their toolbox. Yeah, and that's always provided a lot of pressure. We've already had many a conversation since I've joined the podcast about how you know basically rules regulations government mandates are affecting the way our listeners farm or have to uh thankfully that's not hit the US as a whole yet but again it's an inclination of what could be coming down the pipe in the future but i'm out of news for today our listeners are probably happy about that but what about you delaney or is it time <laughs> to move into the markets well i have just one other story speaking of coming down the pipeline oil refining companies have asked the EPA at a virtual meeting last week to lower costs of the nation's biofuel blending program. And Tanner, I hadn't realized this, but I was doing a little bit of light reading this morning. Congress enacted the RFS back in 2005, which allowed them to set yearly volume requirements on blending, which we talk about every year on the podcast, and it's an ongoing discussion, as well as RINs and credits. However, the thing I did not realize was that the RFS was shaped until 2022. And then after that, it gives the EPA the broad authority to reshape the policy and change it at their discretion. So we're starting to see folks on both sides of the issue, the refinery side, as well as, of course, the biofuels side, coming forth and trying to persuade the EPA to go one direction or the other. But Oil refineries are, of course, saying that they need to lower the obligation of blending requirements. They need to be more forthright with uh, small refinery waivers because under the Biden administration, we really haven't seen too many of those granted. And we're also seeing them ask for um, RINs and RINs credits to be distributed more frequently. But the Biden administration doesn't seem like they're uh, very excited by that because President Biden, apparently last month, I didn't realize this, wrote a letter to executives of some of the biggest oil companies complaining that they had cut back on oil refining to pad their profits in their pockets. Of course, refiners denied that accusation, but the Biden administration has not been by all uh, public facing fronts, they've not been very supportive of the oil industry, Tanner. Yeah, I would, I would state that that's uh, not one of the biggest surprises of uh, campaign track to actual time in office, but certainly one that I believe has grabbed the attention of a lot of our producer listeners. But the landing markets seem to have uh, receded a little bit in the overnight. It looks like the bears are pointing a little bit to take charge of where things are going, possibly looking at the disappointing inspections for export figures. Again, we talked about the crop progress 
report, but what are we seeing? What do markets look like today? Yes, it's certainly a turnaround Tuesday here this morning, trading lower ahead of today's WASD report, which we'll be sure to share updates on tomorrow on the podcast and kind of where the markets shook out from there. But uh, new crop corn's down about 10 cents heading into the opening. New crop soybeans down about 21 cents, giving up quite a bit of the gains that they've made here over the past couple of trading sessions. Wheat is continuing to trade lower again this morning. And livestock are seeing green across the screen in the live and feeder cattle complex and lower trade here in lean hogs this morning, Tanner. So like I said, all eyes will be on that WASD report today at 11 to see how things shake out. Absolutely. But as we stated in the beginning, it's a tech Tuesday for us. Let's move on over to a conversation that Cassidy and I had around induction technology to help you loosen those stubborn bolts. Well, hello, listeners. We're excited to introduce Dana Weicker, the marketing manager for Induction Innovations this morning. Dana, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you just tell us a little bit about this company? I came across it on social media and thought this would be relevant to the farmers and ranchers that listen to our podcast. So help us understand how that would be relevant and what y'all do at Induction Innovations. So Induction Innovations has been around for about 20 years. We started in the automotive industry um, and we manufacture induction heaters. So our tools are used for um, removing seized lug nuts or uh, rusted or corroded parts, anything that's ferrous, our tools will work on. And basically our tools are much safer and more reliable than using an open flame torch. So how that works with the farming industry is, you know, our tools, like I said, are much safer and more reliable. So when you are When you need to repair farming equipment that might have um, flammable materials, you don't want to use a torch. Um, So our tools are a much safer option for those farm techs when they're repairing things. And we also carry a line of induction heaters that are handheld. Most of them are, you have to plug them in, but we do have one that is battery powered. So you can take it out in the field and repair things as farmers are working, if, you know, time is of the essence for farmers. So we have the ability for them to repair as they go or, you know, repair in the off season as well. um, If they don't need a battery powered, it's just a much safer option for them. I could definitely see where this would apply. Uh, Both of my families are in livestock and it seems like manure takes such a toll on everything in the in the fact of generating rust a lot faster than it seems in normal wear and tear situations. I feel like we are always having to torch bolts off uh, while we are doing repairs, which can get expensive because now you got to replace that piece as well as the one that is broken. But for our listeners who might not understand, so how does induction heat work? Sure. That's a great question. So um, induction heat works by it's use an electromagnetic current. So basically, if you take, you know, a rusty lug nut as an example, 
Um, we have a handheld induction heater. There's a coil on the end of it. Um, and the coil goes around the nut or bolt that you're trying to heat. Um, and what that, what that does is it only heats that bolt and what's within the coil and it expands, the heat expands it so that it can, you can release the rust and it breaks the bond of that corrosion or, you know, whatever's, you know, making the, the bolt stuck. Um, so it releases that and only heats that. So you're not worried about, you know, um, catching fire to any surrounding areas. It's just localizing that heat to the bolt that you need to release. You know, it only heats what's within the coil. It's, it expands that bolt, releases that bond. They can take off the bolt right away um, and not worry about any surrounding areas being too hot because it only heats up ferrous metal. So you're not heating anything else. So when you are working with this tool and you have different size objects, does that mean that there are different uh, adaptable tools to what you're providing or is it kind of a one size fits all? That's a great question. We have a variety of different sized coils that you can buy. Um, when you purchase a mini ductor, it comes with three different sized coils. It comes with one that's already preformed. Um, it's about seven eighths inch in diameter. It comes with um, a flexible um, U-form coil. We call it the U-form because you can form it to whatever application you need. Um, and then we also have one called the bearing buddy, which is 41 inches. And that's a much more flexible coil and can also be wrapped around um, like inline applications. Um, so it the kit comes with three coils already and we sell um, a variety of different coils on our site um, that range from seven eighths inch up into um, one and three quarters inch. And we also um, can produce custom coils for customers if they need something really large as well. Well, I think one way that this would be really relevant to a lot of our listeners, especially this year, is because droughts are so bad that most of the burn bans, especially where I'm from, aren't allowing open flames at all. So torches really aren't an option. So do y'all ship nationwide and are our friends down south and out west able to get your products? Yes, we, you can purchase just through our website, um, www.theinductor.com. We also sell through distributors. So, um, you know, we sell through Snap-on and Mac Tools and Napa Auto Parts. We also sell to Granger. Um, so there are a lot of different um, distributors out there that carry our tools. Um, so if you want to find, you know, your local distributor, you can go to our website and actually click on our resellers tab um, and put in your zip code and you can find the nearest store to you where you can purchase it. So in an industry like this that has a very specific use, what types of innovation do you see coming down the pipeline? People are always asking for more power um, is what, yep. what we're seeing. Um you know, our mini ductor Venom HP is our highest powered mini ductor, um, and it goes up to 1800 watts of power. I think we're trying to, um, you know, succeed that and, and go further than that. Um, so that's where I kind of see it going is more power. You know, how can I get things done faster? 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, that is, that is great. This is something that uh, I hadn't thought of before. Like I said, had just grown up always going the torch route uh, or a lot of frustration. So it'd be fun to see one of these put into work. Uh, do you have any resources to where our listeners could uh, take a look or watch maybe like a YouTube video or something? Yes, absolutely. If you go to our website, we have a videos tab um, and there are, we have a few videos on agriculture and using the mini doctor, especially for that use. And you can also visit our YouTube channel, which is also linked on our website. Well, I think that is great, Dana, and I'm really excited that we got to have you on the show so that our listeners who especially are needing something to work with in this heat and to be safer and have something portable for their equipment as harvesting comes up around the corner and they can reach out to y'all. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing this information with all of our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you go, Delaney. I have already sent her a message to see if I can get a hold of one of those systems because I could see where that would be helpful to our listeners, whether they're farmers or just in business dealing with rusty situations. Absolutely, Tanner. Certainly a good discussion there that you guys had, but we're going to be having more good discussions this week on the podcast, folks. So do stay tuned with us. Follow along with us on social media at Ag News Daily. And with that, Tanner, should we let the people go? Let's let the people go.